Audio Podcast Network. As fans of true crime, we consume some pretty dark content on a regular basis. Talking about such heavy topics can definitely take a toll, both emotionally and mentally. That's why we are sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. When my anxiety gets bad or when I just feel overwhelmed by life, it's really nice to have someone to talk to. BetterHelp has over 20,000 therapists with a broad range of expertise that can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. You can schedule secure video and phone sessions, and you can exchange unlimited messages. Plus, everything you share is completely confidential. You can also request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. So many people use BetterHelp that they are currently recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bite-sized. That's betterhelp.com slash B-I-T-E-S-I-Z-E-D. Welcome to the true crime podcast you can binge on your lunch break. My name is Joy. I am a school librarian, obsessive researcher, and lifelong true crime nerd. Each week, I'll be bringing you a new case to dissect. We'll focus on the facts, giving exposure to some of the lesser-known stories in the true crime world. You never know what you might learn. This is Bite Size Crime. Welcome back to Bite Size Crime. While researching last week's episode about the disappearance of Dia Abrams, I came across another case that is closely entwined with Dia's story, one that deserves the same amount of attention. Unfortunately, in many ways, Jody's story was treated more like a footnote. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, or if you just need a refresher, I encourage you to go back and listen. It will provide some important context for Jody's case. This episode will discuss sensitive topics, so listener discretion is advised. In August of 2021, things were finally looking up for 46-year-old Jody Newkirk. She had just moved to the beautiful San Jacinto Mountains of California, where she landed her dream job of working on a ranch. Jody loved animals, especially horses, and she knew this job would be the perfect fit. Jody's life up to this point had been an uphill battle. According to her sister Kelly, Jody's childhood had been marked by abuse and abandonment, and that trauma had shaped her life's path. For years, Jody struggled with substance abuse disorder and all the difficulties that came with it. But now she had the chance to make things right for herself and for her two teenage children who lived with their fathers. Jody wanted them to have a better life than she'd had, and she believed this new job could help her make that happen. Jody soon settled into a routine at Bonita Vista Ranch in the small town of Mountain Center. Although the days were long, Jody loved working with the horses, and being out in nature felt so healing. In the evenings, she would retreat to the small house she rented in Garner Valley, about 10 miles away from the ranch. It was quiet and peaceful, and Jody was happy. As the months passed, Jody checked in regularly with her family. She spoke with her sister just a few days before Christmas, and according to Kelly, Jody was doing really well. Quote, She was in a great mood. She was up in the mountains, and she loved being in nature. And she spent all day outside, so she really felt like she had gotten her dream job. 
Of course, even dream jobs come with caveats. Jody wasn't making very much money at the ranch, and rent on the house in Garner Valley was expensive. She was also having car trouble, which added to her bills. Kelly felt that Jody wasn't being paid what she was worth, especially for how much work she put in at the ranch. But she wanted to be supportive, and it was clear that Jody really did love her job. She was glad that her sister was finally getting back on her feet. Sadly, that would be the last time the sisters ever spoke. Shortly after 5 o'clock on the evening of December 23, 2021, a call came in to 911. A man reported that a woman had been possibly involved in an ATV accident at Bonita Vista Ranch. While first responders headed to the scene, the dispatcher lost contact with the caller and was unable to reconnect the call. The dispatcher reported, quote, The phone number for the original reporting party keeps going to an answering machine for American storage, unable to get anything further from them. Officer Hoskins from the California Highway Patrol was the first on the scene. Near the intersection of Bonita Vista Road and Apple Canyon, in a large open field, he saw the body of a woman trapped underneath an ATV. Hoskins then saw a man pull the ATV off the woman and begin performing CPR as heavy rain poured down on them. As they waited for paramedics to arrive, Hoskins examined the scene. He observed that there were tire tracks in the mud leading up to where the ATV had been laying, but there were no skid marks or any indication that the quad had spun out of control. The tire tracks, quote, ended abruptly behind the ATV, indicating that it simply came to a stop. By 5.40 p.m., paramedics and Riverside County deputies had arrived, but it was too late. The woman, identified as Jody Newkirk, was declared dead at the scene. The man who had been performing CPR was also identified as Jody's boss, 72-year-old Keith Harper. Harper told deputies that Jody had gone out on her ATV in the middle of a rainstorm because she wanted to cut down a live Christmas tree. When she didn't return, Harper went out looking for her. He found her in the field, the ATV on top of her, pinning her chest to the ground. He said that he began performing CPR while he waited for help to arrive. At first glance, it appeared as though Jody had been struck by a vehicle while on the ATV and was left in the field to die. But as they looked more closely, they noticed that Jody had, quote, unexplained injuries that didn't match a hit and run. They called in detectives from the Central Homicide Unit to take over the investigation, and it was quickly declared a suspicious death. Over the next 24 hours, investigators processed the scene, hampered by the stormy weather and rough terrain. Before releasing Jody's name to the public, detectives contacted her family and broke the news. Grief-stricken, Jody's family began making arrangements for her funeral and headed down to Mountain Center to begin packing up her belongings. In a phone call recorded by one of Jody's family members, Harper offered his condolences and spoke highly of Jody, saying, quote, Jody was an amazing individual. You know, you had to just love her. She's been an awesome help here, an amazing person to have on the ranch. On the recording, which Jody's family gave to CBS 8, Harper also revealed his connection to Dia Abrams. Quote, I don't know if you know this, but my fiance, she disappeared a year and a half ago. She disappeared and we've been dealing with her missing. This seems like a strange thing to mention to a family grieving the loss of a loved one, but Harper likely knew they would find out about Dia eventually. In fact, Dia was mentioned in the earliest news reports about Jody's death. It certainly was suspicious that a woman had died on the same property where another had gone missing the year before, and that the same man was connected to both. Jody's family would soon discover just how close that connection was. 
While packing up Jody's belongings at her Garner Valley home, her family discovered a handwritten journal filled with letters directed to Keith Harper. Although most of the letters are undated, they clearly outline Jody's time on the ranch. In September, just a month after starting the new job, Jody wrote a letter to Dia saying that she hoped she would come home soon and that she was trying to take care of Harper. Quote, but I hope from the bottom and all of my heart that you realize that I truly have you and yours, all of your animals, friends and home, possessions, and even Harper's best interest at heart. In that same letter, Jody acknowledged that she had screwed up in the past, but the job at the ranch had given her a purpose again. While the letters started out hopeful, they soon took a turn, and it became clear that Jody was not as happy at the ranch as her family had believed. She wrote several letters to Harper, complaining about how he undervalued her work and that she deserved better pay and better hours. She was burned out and getting frustrated. She begged Harper to hire more help, and it appears that he did, but it ended up not being what Jody wanted or needed. As the letters continue, it's clear that Jody and Harper's relationship was more than just boss and ranch hand. In one letter, Jody wrote about how she overheard Harper talking on the phone to another woman and saying that Jody just followed him around all day. Quote, I can't begin to express how hurt I am. Even if there was not a personal relationship of sorts between us, I still am so unspeakably devastated. I can't even talk to you right now. In another letter, Jody called Harper a gigolo, saying that he slept with as many women as he could. Quote, you tell all the girls what they want to hear, and you tell them all basically the same thing. In the same letter, Jody referenced a text message that Harper sent her, a message that freaked her out. Quote, I really am feeling very strange about the always going to miss me comment in the text a few days ago. What the hell was that about? And you never did elaborate. Anyhow, I don't like the way that sounds. Not a bit. Because the letter was undated, it's not clear when Harper sent that message or how close it was to Jody's death, but it left her feeling unsettled. Many of Jody's letters vacillate between expressing her love for Harper and cussing him out in the same sentence. One that really stuck out to me was from another undated letter where Jody again expressed her frustration with Harper talking to other women and not giving her the respect she deserved. Quote, what we had wasn't really all that to you, probably because you have no idea what you had and you never will. No, I'm no Anna or Patricia, but you know what? I may not be perfect, but I am true, honest, loyal, and sincere. I would have killed, died, given my right arm for you, even if you don't deserve it, even if you fire, not anywhere near the great human being you wish you were or you act like you are. I know who you are. I loved, love you anyway. You will see when I'm gone, and I'm already gone. Goodbye. If you want to read more of Jody's journal entries, you can find them on the podcast website. They are a fascinating and heartbreaking window into her mind and heart in the months before she died. After releasing the letters to the media, Jody's family turned them over to the Riverside County Sheriff's Office. The family believed it was too much of a coincidence that two of Keith Harper's girlfriends had ended up missing or dead. On January 19th, Jody's family and friends gathered at the Living Free Animal Sanctuary for her memorial service. But before it could begin, it was interrupted by the arrival of Keith Harper. Jody's family was shocked and upset. A family member told CBS 8 that Harper knew he was not welcome at the service, but had chosen to show up anyway. Kelly was especially shaken by his sudden appearance. Quote, My reaction to seeing Keith Harper was a panic attack. I kind of lost my mind there for a minute. I just couldn't believe it. I was stunned. 
Thankfully, Harper didn't stay long, but as he walked back to his car, several of Jody's family members approached him, including her teenage daughter. We don't know exactly what they said, but we know they told Harper to leave, and he did. When the memorial service resumed, Jody's family spoke of her lovingly. During the eulogy, Kelly remembered her sister as she was. Quote, Jody was not a perfect person, but who of us are? She was a wildflower. How difficult it is to love a wildflower. How painful it is to lose our wildflower. In November of 2022, 11 months after Jody's death, the Riverside County Sheriff's Office unsealed her autopsy report. The coroner listed her cause of death as acute methamphetamine toxicity, indicating that she had died of an overdose. However, the coroner listed her manner of death as undetermined because, quote, there is no evidence to determine if Newkirk administered the drugs to herself or if someone else administered it to her. Jody's case is still an active and ongoing investigation. Although Keith Harper is considered a person of interest in both her case and that of Dia Abrams, he has never been named a suspect and no charges have been filed. But Jody's family is still hopeful that justice will be served. Jody Newkirk will be remembered as a loving mother who wanted more for her life and for her children's lives. Her sister is determined to keep her memory alive. Quote, She loved her children more than anything, and she loved her family. She was loved. She should still be here with us. She should be riding bareback up a hill on her horse and enjoying life and working. She was a wonderful person. If you have any information about the death of Jody Newkirk, please contact the Riverside County Sheriff's Office at 951-955-2450. And please share her story. Someone out there knows something. Thank you for listening to Bite-Sized Crime. This episode was written, researched, and edited by me, Joyce Gaglione. Theme music is by Arts Guitars. For episode transcripts, pictures, and sources, please visit bitesizedcrimepod.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at bitesizedcrimepod. If you have a suggestion for a case I should cover, please email me at bitesizedcrimepod at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Podcast Network.